You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowton from bleedinggreennation.com. This is BGN Radio, episode number 101, and it follows the Eagles' playoff loss in the wild card round to the Seattle Seahawks. Very much a bummer kind of game, certainly if you're an Eagles fan, and even if you're not, even if you're just trying to enjoy this game. Uh, from a football viewing perspective, not a lot of fun. Brandon, how are you? Jimmy, uh, you sound way too excited, first of all. It's a very <laughs> somber time here uh, for the Bleeding Green Nation listeners. And really, I think there's one thing you can really blame for uh, that game being ruined and the Eagles not winning. And I think it's pretty obvious. I don't think I even have to say it. But I'm going to say it anyway. It's because people did not review and rate BGN Radio on iTunes enough. It's sad to see. I think, you know, there's a statement about that after the game. The officials got together. They talked about that. But, I mean, it's a big topic right now. Everyone is concerned that there's not enough iTunes ratings and reviews for BGN Radio. So make sure you do that. And, you know, again, that will help the Eagles win in the future. They only have themselves to win. Yeah. So, Jadavion Clowney. Brandon, cheap shot or not a cheap shot? Well, I've seen dirtier cheap shots. I guess I'll put it that way. I've seen much more intentional, dirty plays for sure. I I don't think it was a clean hit by any means. Does that make it a cheap shot? I think he was clearly intending to injure the quarterback, which isn't uncommon for defenders to do. But you know, I think his intent was clear was to was to hurt Carson Wentz. Would you agree with that? I think he knew what he was doing. Is the best. I think Les Bowen put it that way, and Uh I, I think that's the best way to put it. Like he knew what he was doing on that play, and I think that's exactly the right way to phrase it. Okay. And from the game perspective, well, first of all, let's just take a look back at like the last four games. So, you know, you and I talked about this um, heading into this playoff game. Really, we, we talked about this going back like a month, debating whether the Eagles were even better off, you know, winning the rest of the way or getting a better draft pick if they were, were to just completely fall apart. And the biggest reason that we kind of came up with for making the playoffs is, well, you know, A, to make the playoffs and <laughs> over the Cowboys. But then also uh, Carson Wentz would at least get a playoff game under his belt, which is important to get that playoff experience. And they scratched and clawed and they won those last four games, won the NFC East, including a big win over Dallas, who had kind of owned them in, uh, in in recent years. And they get to the playoffs and then Wentz doesn't even really get that playoff experience under his belt. He's only in there for nine snaps. It all happened so quickly which is really just such a bummer. Really in the context of everything, too. Like, Carson deserved this opportunity. Sure. Like he, he brought this team to the playoffs. Like, he deserved to be here. It wasn't yes. like, you know, they backed, like they're riding the defense. Like, he earned the right to play in the playoffs, especially given what's happened in the past couple of years 
when he hasn't been around when mm-hmm. the Eagles are in the playoffs, like it has to be like when you add that context to it, it just has to be like so frustrating because it's it's going to have to be another year, you know, at, at the shortest <laughs> when he can come back to this spot and try and work himself into that position again. Really frustrating and really, you know, early in the game and the way it happened to the hit was just like totally uh, unnecessary, really a frustrating outcome for sure. And it just makes the game kind of feel useless, right? Like it's like, okay, what are we, why are we watching this at this point? Like what's, what's the point of this? Like we're watching Josh McCown, obviously, you know, you're rooting for the Eagles. You're hoping for them to win. You're an Eagles fan. I get it. And you're hoping Carson Wentz can come back, you know, maybe the next week. But I mean, at that point, it's just, it's really deflating is what it was. And uh, appropriate, I guess, on the week the Patriots were eliminated from the playoffs. Very deflating feeling. And (laughs) it's a different situation. But the feeling reminded me of, like, sometimes there are just games you go into where, like, you're excited for this matchup. Again, you could be a neutral observer here, too. It's just, like, a good matchup on paper. And you're excited to see what happens. And all of a sudden, something happens at the beginning of the game that kind of just makes, like, you can't even think about the game at that point. I'm right. thinking specifically about when the Cowboys played the Eagles uh, last the year. Yeah, in that. Nuclear recovery. <laughs> I couldn't even think about the game because you were just so like, like, this isn't even a fair fight from the jump. Like, what's yeah. the point of this? And then the same thing with the Falcons game earlier this year, like where Deshaun and Goddard and Alshon just get hurt like right. in pregame warmups. And it's like, well, what the hell? Like, it's not even a fair fight. Like, what is the point now? And it was the same thing with this one situation. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird game. That's a good way to put it. And then, in, you know, in the aftermath of the injury itself, during the game, and then, of course, afterward as well, you have all these insanely idiotic takes about Carson oh Wentz God. being injury-prone. And, you know, certainly there's an argument that Carson Wentz is injury-prone. I mean, he's got the, the broken wrist in, in college, and then he gets into the NFL, and he's got the ACL tear, and he's got the back issue last year, and he got the broken rib in um, in, in the playoff, or in, excuse, excuse me, in the, uh, preseason. In the preseason in his rookie year, so he's, he's, you know, he's acquired a number of injuries throughout his brief career so far, so, and, and a lot of those were because he was trying to make plays with his legs, so, you know, there's something to that, obviously, but in this case, like, this is the most <laughs> idiotic comment, like, what, what, what was his, his brain supposed to just not collide with the inside of his skull? Like, how He's stu- a soft brain. His brain shouldn't have been smushed inside of his head. One of the most athletically gifted specimens on the planet kind of dove headfirst into his head with full force. His brain should have just been like, get off me, bro. You can't do better than that to concuss me. Like, come on. And some of these some of these takes it, like, you know, one of them is Danny Cannell, the former quarterback in the league. And then you have you know, Tory Holt saying it's always something with Wentz. By the way. He deleted that. He did. And I don't know if we, well, he didn't apologize for it, but he, he right. did delete it. And then you have uh, Josina Anderson Basically, just mm. shredding all credibility by saying, you know, I forget exactly what, what her response was, but she quote tweeted him saying, you know, basically agreeing with his take there. And then later was like, what she meant was that he overcame so much <laughs> and all this other nonsense. I guess she got yelled at by, uh, by ESPN. <laughs> I hear you, Tori, is what she said. And then what did she what did she tweet later? Do you have her uh, profile up there? I don't have that one, but she said, I hear you, Tori, into the, in response to the, oh, it's always something with wind. When I saw that, I was like, wow. Like, being a national reporter who has been sort of a central figure each of the last two years for major distractions within the Eagles locker room. To for major anti-Wentz stories, basically, to, right, scoops. To tweet that? It's crazy. Mm, I wonder if she has an agenda. It's hard to say. <laughs> all right. Wentz aside, the game itself, same issues that the Eagles had all season long. 
and it kind of popped up again. You know, no big play threat uh, down the field from the receivers. Receivers, what they have? Three or four catches combined? For like 24 yards? Yeah. Think about that. 24 yards. Well, I think Ward had 24. Or Yeah, yeah, you're right. 29 yards. One of Sorry. the guys had one for five. And then Shelton Gibson... Drew a pass interference call, at least. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a sec, Jimmy? I want to sure. talk about this. Stone Gibson played two snaps <laughs> against the Seahawks, and both of those plays were impact plays. Yeah. Because I don't know if you noticed, on that Greg Ward's, Greg Ward's longest catch of the game, uh-huh. it was like 17 or whatever, Sheldon Gibson cleared that out. Did he? I think McCown was looking for Gibson deep, but um, it wasn't there because two defenders from the Seahawks went mm. towards him down yeah. the field, and all of a sudden Ward's wide open underneath. And then, yeah, later in the game, he draws like what, a 39, 37 yard pass interference penalty. Like this was missing from the offense the whole year. Speed. Like this is why you need speed. Like speed can make an impact. Like it's yeah. a, it's crazy to me. He played literally two snaps. They brought him back just last week. Like just that little thing can make a difference. Just really frustrating to me. And then and then the big plays allowed down the field. I, I don't really fault him for that third down. Deep play to Metcalf down the field. That's what you want if you're the Eagles. You want them to take that shot. Right. And they converted it. Who did he beat on that? Was that Mills? Marcus Epps. Oh, okay. And then the first one, the touchdown, that one you certainly can blame them. He smoked Avante Maddox down the field on that one. And then yep. they had the other big play to, I forget his name, number 83. David Moore, is it? Yep. He had the, I mean, well, first of all, Eagles get a good pass rush on Russell Wilson, but he kind of fades back and avoids that, or at least buys himself a little time. And then he hits more over the middle. I guess it was Craven LeBlanc kind of fell or whatever he did, and that left yeah. a lot of open space for, for more to run. That was like a 38-yard reception. So that was another big play. That, that led to a touchdown, I believe. So, they, I mean, two big plays, you know, really hurt them. Put, you know, 14 of their 17 points on the board. And then you have a bad drop by Miles Sanders. Sanders certainly a player that looks like a very, very good player and one guy that you can feel really good about and excited for. Uh, in the future, but that was a bad drop at the end of that game. Throw could have been better, yep, but yeah. for sure. Still could have caught it. And then, you know, more injuries. Wentz being at the top of the list. And you know what? McCown had like a pulled hamstring in that game. Yeah. And you kind of see it. He wasn't moving around that well. And had uh, Nate Sudfeld been active, you think they consider putting him in? Uh, Probably not. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I want to talk about DK Metcalf okay, a little sure. bit more, Jimmy. Oh, right. 160 yards for him and one yes. touchdown in this game. And I'm assuming you already know how many yards J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has this year. 160-something. He's got DK. 169. Got, Not very nice. He's got DK beat by nine yards on the season. That is an, and then DK had in, uh, in, the, in the one playoff game. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Metcalf had a big game in the first uh, Eagles scheme, or would have even had a bigger game had he not dropped a couple passes, yes. but still was in position to make some really big plays. I mean, just frustrating, man. Like, you couldn't get – I mean, Deontay Burnett and Rob Davis, like, these guys are out-snapping J.J. at this point in the season. It's just like – Ward, Deontay Burnett, and uh, and Robert Davis, yeah, as you mentioned, all had more snaps in a playoff game than – a second round pick. It really makes you wonder how, like, what is the evaluation process here? Like, h- how is this happening? You know, like, I, I get every GM has misses. You're not going to hit on every pick. But, like, there's this athletic freak specimen on the board who, you know, for whatever it's worth, which might not be much, he's getting, like, first round attention in mock drafts and different stuff. Like, like it, he wasn't, like, this unknown guy, is my point. Meanwhile, Howie Roseman comes out after the Eagles draft J.J. Ortega Whiteside and literally talks to the point of, uh, a lot of people 
underrate these Pac-12 guys because you know the games are late at night, which is just a, an absurd thing to say. Yeah, that U- that USC, they're never on TV. Like, and it's I guess it goes back to the college production thing because you know JJ was more productive in college than Metcalf was for sure. But it's just like, okay, is the scouting department here? Like, are they just reading box scores? Like, what is going on? I mean, the, the college production thing is what led you to drafting Donald Pumphrey, you know, because he was the NCAA all leader, yeah, uh, in in yards or whatever. So it's just it's frustrating. Like, I, I that was one of my takeaways from this game. Basically, I know I'm I'm off on the side a little bit here, maybe of a tangent, but like to me, it's not a tangent. It, it's like Howie's moves and shortcomings were apparent in this loss. They contributed to this loss. No, you know, I was gonna. We were gonna get to the draft picks later, but let's just do that now. Let's just. I mean, their their draft picks from 2017, 2018, 2019, three years. I don't have a lot to show for it, so let's just. I'm just gonna go through this real quickly. Yep. 2017 first round pick Derek Barnett, two Sidney Jones, three Rizal Douglas, four Matt Collins, four Denell Pumphrey, five Shelton Gibson, five Nate Gary, six Elijah Qualls. So of that group, Sidney Jones and Rizal Douglas, how many snaps did they combine for? In this playoff game, in the regular defense, not special teams included, how many total snaps? Yeah, zero in the de- <laughs> in the defense. Like <laughs> it's crazy. Derek Barnett, I like him. I think more than most. Mm-hmm. Dumb penalty in the game. Originally, yeah. I thought he got pushed into Russell Wilson on second view when I had a better chance to take a look at it. No, he he hit Russell Wilson on his own. You know that's been a theme for him this season for sure. And then, you know, Hollins and Pumphrey obviously were busts. If you can call a fourth-round pick a bust, Shelton Gibson got cut by the team this offseason. Nate Gary, fine for a fifth-round pick. I know a lot of people don't like him. I think think he's fine. Elijah Qualls has gone quick. All right, 2018, Dallas Goddard, second-round pick. Uh, Avante Maddox and Josh Sweat in the fourth. Matt Pryor in the sixth. Jordan Mailata in the seventh. Goddard looks good. Don't know if that was a good use of resources, taking a tight end when you already have Zach Ertz. And you're either tying yourself to a two tight end. You got to commit to being a two tight end team. You got to figure mm-hmm. out what to do with either one of those guys in the in the near future. Maddox doesn't didn't look as good this year as he did as a rookie. Sweat kind of came along a little bit this year, but I want to push back on Sweat a little. He had he had six games this year out of sixteen where he didn't even log a stat. Okay, like, fair. And and including the last two, I'm not like saying he had a terrible year, but like I, I want to push back on this idea. Like some people are out there, like oh he's better than Barnett, or like you know he should be like he he's he's I think he's a backup player. He's a backup defensive end. He has come along a little. I mean, he barely played. He barely played at all last year. He's made progress because there was a low bar, but like again, yes. I think he was invisible at times. At sometimes this year, so yeah. Matt Pryor looks fine as a six round pick. I think fine. he played well enough. In the limited opportunities he had, Jordan Mailata, who cares? Seven round pick. Uh, yep. 2019, Andre Dillard, first round pick, and they traded, you know, some assets to move up. Sanders obviously looks very good. We already covered JJ Ar- Artega Whiteside. Fourth round, Sharif Miller. Hmm. <laughs> Only active for one game. <laughs> is he on the 53 next year? I don't think he is. I mean, he, he was active for one game. He played two special team snaps. That's it. Oh, and then uh, whoever stood on the table for Clayton Thorson, just get him out of here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Drafted four picks before Darius Slayton, who torched the Eagles Yes, back in week 14. Not been a good last three years on the draft front. 2016 was okay. I mean, obviously, 2016 was great, really, because you get, you know, they made a bold move to go up against Wentz, to get to go up and get Wentz, and that alone is a good draft, but same mile has been all right after a terrible mm-hmm. game against the Falcons. Uh, Big V has given them plenty of value for the fifth round pick that they used on him. 
And then Jalen Mills, I know, you know, a lot of people don't think of him as an ideal starter, and that's fine. But as a seventh round pick, he has more than panned out. That, that was a good draft. But the last three. Ugh. And in Not 2016, <laughs> they were coming off being uh, a bad team, too. Like, so they had higher position. Well, they know, were 14th, I think, there, right? Uh, I forget exactly. I think it was 13th. 13th. They moved from, yeah, what, okay. 13 to 8? That's, that's right. So, that's right. But still, still, like, they had position. You know, I just think that should be considered, too. Anyway, uh, back to the Seattle game. Despite losing Wentz, still had a chance to win at the end. And in my opinion, Seahawks really aren't that good. Russell Wilson is obviously awesome. But the Saints and the Seahawks are now very clearly <laughs> the Eagles' two big nemesises, or nemesi, or whatever you want to call it. Nemesi. But beyond, you know, obviously beyond their uh, divisional rivals in the NFC East. Speaking of another Howie Roseman shortcoming, hey, yes. Russell Wilson. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, and look, people can give me crap for being on that and saying, like, well, a lot of teams passed on him. I mean, the Eagles had three picks in two rounds, and mm-hmm. they reportedly wanted him. It wasn't like just, like, you know, they, they were interested in him. Like, they had they wanted him. Or, it, or, you know, it sounded like they did, and they just got cute for some reason. It burned him pretty bad. Yeah, they, if they really wanted him that badly, they would have taken him with their second second-round pick. Which, uh, what was that, Vinny Curry that year? It was Vinny. And they got fold, so, like, it's not literally the end of the world, but, like, come on. Who would you rather have, Russell Wilson or Nick? Right. All right. Moving past the Eagles-Seahawks game, let's reflect on the season as a whole. So, you know, heading into the season, I believe you, I, I certainly thought that the Eagles were Super Bowl contenders. I believe you did as well. Is that accurate? Yeah, just because of, the, like, Doug and the, the offense, really, basically. I thought, you know, the offense had enough weapons and i thought Wentz would bounce back so mm-hmm. yeah then they weren't at all and then they mm-hmm. hit their low point when they were five and seven after a disgusting loss <laughs> to the dolphins in miami and then four games to go carson Wentz emerges starts you know playing his ass off and the team really showed some like real resiliency in the final four games so when you look at the season as a whole would you view it as disappointing successful or maybe a little of both. I think a little of both because it's disappointing in the context that we set it up in. Like this should have been a team that was a contender, and they really never were. You know, they made the playoffs, but were they ever a Super Bowl contender? I mean, they were not even favored to win in their first home game in the playoffs. They were the only team not favored, the only home team not favored to win. So they were never really a serious contender at the end. Um, it could have been worse, but like <laughs> that's not what you want to say consistently about your seasons oh it it always it could have been worse (laughs) yeah so yeah it could have been worse uh it was not a disaster and it could have been a disaster for sure especially if they didn't find a way to kind of turn it around after the miami game but uh but what about you well they don't give you banners for you know for being better than the Bengals. it could be worse if you don't want to strive for that but they will get a banner for winning the nfc east when it looked like at times uh throughout the season that they were not going to get into the playoffs or win the division or anything like that. And, you know, I thought they really did show some resiliency and they um, started playing better, actually, after, you know, some guys were no longer playing. And what they were able to do, what Carson Wentz specifically was able to do, you know, with these no-name receivers, you know, a couple offensive linemen out, and uh, the way that they were kind of able to pull together as a team and, and play with some energy – you know, I think there's something to be said for that. So in that respect, I think it was successful in that they were able to at least get into the playoffs. It sucks that Carson Wentz didn't get a playoff game under his belt, and it would have been fun just from 
the perspective of the media and the fan base just to see what would have happened had he had a whole game to play and, and, and a chance to you know either win that game or go on some kind of uh, playoff run. We didn't get to see it. But I would call that aspect of the, of the season successful. If you were to ask me prior to the season beginning, what would I view this season being if they went 9-7, and seven, somehow won the division only because the rest of the division was horrible and they lost in the first round of the playoffs? I would say disappointment for sure. If you were to ask me to look in the future, you know, prior to the season. So again, yeah, I would say it's probably a little bit of both of those two things. And then I guess looking forward, I, I think that's what I guess would make the season a success is anything that can be, because, you know, coming to the realization they weren't a serious Super Bowl contender this year, then the focus is, okay, what from this season like is like can apply or carry over to the next year? And that's why the end of the season was encouraging because you saw Carson Wentz basically eliminate any doubt there was that he's the franchise quarterback. You saw the resiliency that you talked about, that's a hallmark of a Doug Peterson team. We've seen it three years in a row now. We know moving forward that if the Eagles get into a bad situation, which ideally they won't, again, I, I'm talking about this multiple times now, but like ideally moving forward, you shouldn't be in the spot for like the fourth year in a row. It would be that your backs up are against the wall. Like You need to come out stronger than they have. But if they do get to a rough patch, because there's always going to be rough patches at some point of a season somewhere for the most part, you at least have some faith that, okay, they can turn this around, even when things do look dark. And I think that's not only a feeling, obviously, to have for fans on the outside, but in, within the team as well. I think players can kind of, you know, think about that and look back on that. So I think those things are successful when you look at, like, Doug and Wentz. To me, you know, a lot of the faults from the season, like, do stem back to Howie. So that's kind of my question moving forward. It's like, what's, what's really my confidence level in him fixing the issues they have now to kind of, you know, ultimately help Doug and help Carson take this team? Because I think... Of those three big pieces that you really probably need to have to contend for a title, quarterback, head coach, and GM, I think I think quarterback and head coach I feel pretty confident in. I'm just I'm not so sure on the GM one. Yeah, uh, in the last uh, podcast, we went through the entire NFL. It got cut for time, <laughs> probably rightfully so. But we went through the entire NFL and we determined, you know, how many teams would we – we went team by team and said yes or no tried to figure out, you know, which teams had a better head coach quarterback combination than the Eagles. And what we came up with, I recall, was the Ravens, Chiefs, Chiefs, Saints, I think we put in there, but Saints, yeah, I don't know about that anymore. Yeah. It was like five. Yeah. I think I think it was five because I think the, we had the Eagles at six. Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in a good they're I mean, you have a good head coach and you have a good quarterback, pretty much going to contend every year. So they are in a good they are in a good spot from from that perspective. All right, so we'll take a break here. Uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll kind of look ahead to you know the, the Eagles' 2020 offseason and uh, where they need to go from here. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 101, 101, in the year 2020. This is our first episode in 2020, right, Jimmy? Uh, yes, it is. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, buddy. I probably should have said that at the beginning, but I just, <laughs> it just dawned on me. Well, I mean, um, it's, the, it's the 7th now. We're, we're almost a week away from the New Year, so. Mm, and, I, and I've seen true. you since then, so. Well, I take it back then. Yeah. Happy New Year to our listeners. Yeah, I guess. Happy New Year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> The big news of the week is that Jim Schwartz is mm. uh, interviewing for. Actually, I'm not even sure what he's interviewing for. With yeah, the, with the Cleveland Browns, is he interviewing for a head coaching job, or is he interviewing? Well, that was the original a report. Coordinator job. The is, original report uh, from NFL Network was it was the head coach, but now are you seeing what I've, I'm seeing? I think Tony Grossi from is he still at ESPN? Was he at ESPN? Some kind of beat reporter from the Browns is suggesting that like he could be Josh McDaniels' defensive coordinator. Interesting that he'd step away from uh, you know the Eagles to to take a, or uh, you know step away or you know maybe somebody's telling him to move on. I don't know. Who knows? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that'll all get sorted out in time. But as of this recording, which is uh, current, it's currently two thirty in the afternoon on Tuesday. We don't know if anything will happen between now and when this is published. But uh, a little unclear exactly what's going on there, whether he's interviewing for head coach, defensive coordinator. Uh, what do you think about Jim Schwartz and the job that he has done over the last four years in Philadelphia? I think you look at the the first thing I go to is that stat that the Eagles have allowed the fewest home points in the NFL since he was hired. Okay. So, like, right there, like, how can you be like, oh, Jim Schwartz is a horrible offense? I mean, literally, they have the <laughs> best home defense yeah. since 2016. Like, that's kind of like a big, it's kind of a big like, deal, trump yeah. card. Yeah. Yeah. And then even looking at how this season finished, they allowed 17 points or fewer in eight of their last 10 games. Like, it's it's not perfect. I get why people can be frustrated with Schwartz at times. I think the the things that crit- people criticize him for are often anecdotal, like mm-hmm. the third and long stuff that's out there. Yes. I mean, some of those third and longs in the Seahawks game, like Nigel Bradham misses a tackle and Russell Wilson, that could have forced a punt. Uh, Craven right. LeBlanc. Can't tackle David yeah, Moore. Right. Yeah, like, this isn't on him. Like, the players have to make the, the play is there to be made. Like, make the play. Yeah. Don't get mad at Jim Schwartz. My sense, Jimmy, would be that the Eagles wouldn't want to move on from Jim Schwartz, especially knowing how much power he seemingly has. Jeff McLean has talked about that yes. uh, with personnel in the building. I don't think they are down on him at all. I think if Schwartz were to move on, I think it would be because he wants to be out. That would be my sense. But 
uh, would be kind of weird. I think the Eagles would try to do everything they could to get him to stay in terms of like, he's not going to get more money somewhere else as a defensive coordinator. Right. You know, I, I would think the Eagles would match anything to keep him. Um, but obviously, if he gets hired as a head coach, I'm sure he would he would definitely jump in. Uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, and he, and he should. I don't think it'll go well because I don't I don't know about Jim Schwartz head coach versus Jim Schwartz defensive coordinator. But uh, yeah, so I guess in short, the Eagles should keep him. I actually think he will stay. I don't think the Browns are going to hire him as their head coach. I don't think that's the direction they're going to go in. So obviously, I will look stupid when that is not the case. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, what about you, Jimmy? Well, DVOA 2019 Eagles were 12th in overall defense. 2018, they were 15th. And you think about all the injuries they had. And they're still top half of the league in DVOA. It's pretty impressive. 2017, they're fifth uh, DVOA. That's not a surprise there. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl that year. And then the year before that, this number is surprising to me. They were fourth. That was in 2016, right? Yeah. I mean, he had Leotis McKelvin out at cornerback. Uh, Nolan Carroll still there, too, at the time? Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. To that point, I think you can say, like... This is how we know Jim Schwartz is a good coach. Like, he gets more out of lesser players. Like, I think that's very fair to say with him. But a very underrated coach, in my opinion, and like you said, I agree that's that's the right way to put it, is a lot of the criticisms of him are anecdotal. In fact, I've had a lot of people uh, today even responding that his sticks defense is terrible. I mean, Mm -hmm. McLean put out that pretty detailed thing about every time they run the sticks defense. It's basically undefeated, with the exception of... So it's never given up a first down. I think they finally gave one up this year. So when he wrote it, they hadn't given up any. But this year, the Sticks defense did give up a, a – finally gave up a first down. The only time it really failed at the time that he published that was um, – it was a bad choice of using it in the situation it was because the, uh, whoever they were playing gained like like more than 10 yards. Jacksonville, was it? I don't remember. But they gained enough yards to get in the field goal range and they kicked the field goal when maybe a, oh, yeah, more okay. aggressive, maybe a more aggressive defense would have um, you know, kept them out of field goal range. But it sticks defense has really served its purpose in the time that he's been here. So, again, that I'm just making the point that a lot of the criticisms here are often uh, anecdotal with Jim Schwartz. What's also the argument against him? Like that he can't win the Super like the Eagles can't win the Super Bowl with him being the defensive coordinator? Like is that <laughs> is that really what your argument is ultimately? Right, right. That's just kind of funny. I mean, obviously, you know, the Super Bowl itself, like it was not his best. Yeah, that, that's another anecdote. Well that's another well, that's not anecdotal. He, I mean, obviously the Patriots kind of did do whatever they want in that Super Bowl, but he was out coached in that game. Although But big, biggest play of the game. Yeah, that's true. And and also it was kind of his like they, they he was calling aggressive calls there yes he said that you see the the uh i don't know if it was nfl films or whoever it was yeah but, uh, he said i'm gonna yes. go aggressive here and and if we give something up you'll at least have enough time to maybe score going the other way yeah he said i'm gonna get you the ball or or something yeah they, he, they adjusted they moved brandon graham into guard or into you know onto the onto shack mason there yes like, anyway yeah so i think i think we both stand firm on this one that schwartz should be back like the eagles should want him back they should not be looking to to move on from him in any capacity. And oh, by the way, in the two games prior to the Super Bowl, they don't they don't get there without without the way the defense played. Maybe yeah. a little bit less so in the Vikings game, but certainly in the Falcons game, they don't get there without the way that he called that game. And furthermore, at the end of that game, the Eagles knew what they were running. When when yeah. the, on the play, where they, play the where, they, where they went in motion, they the Eagles knew exactly Ronnie McLeod called that play out because they wrecked it all week long because they knew their Schwartz knew they're going to run it. And they repped it all week long, and they were prepared for it, and they made the play. Good coaching. Beyond Schwartz, the Eagles have a lot of player free agents 
uh, upcoming. I'm just going to rattle off these names here real quick. These are the unrestricted free agents coming up, and they're in order of you know position here. So uh, Josh McCown, Nate Sudfeld, Jordan Howard, Nelson Aguilar, Jason Peters, Big V, Vinny Curry, Timmy Jernigan, Hassan Ridgeway, Kamugrugier Hill, Dylan Mills, Ronald Darby, Craven LeBlanc, Rodney McLeod. And then on top of that, you have Malcolm Jenkins saying that he's not going to play with the Eagles on his current deal unless something gets done there. And then Nigel Bradham has a team option. Of course, Alshon Jeffries, horrible contract. And <laughs> what are the Eagles going to do with him? Going a long way to make the point that Eagles have a lot of decisions to make in the 2020 offseason. We talk about, like, there's a huge offseason coming ahead, I think, at the end of every season. But it's way more true of this offseason than it is normally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, back when they, like, after they won the Super Bowl, the only things they had to do were, like, re-sign Nigel Bradham and, like, add a defensive tackle with Bo Allen leaving. Like, it was it was really simple. Yes. Didn't really not so much this year with these guys you're talking about. Like, Jason Peters said he still wants to play. Like, he cannot be back. Like, that would be insane if you drafted Andre Dillard and then you're bringing Jason Peters back. Yes. Again. Agreed. Like, Aguilar's going to be gone. Jordan Howard is kind of an interesting one in the sense of what his market will be. I think, I think he it's going to be weak. I think it's going to get a weak market, and I think he's bad. But he, but he's going to at least test the market. Oh, sure, not. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So in theory, you know, he could leave because there could be whatever. You know, someone could offer him more than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's going to be. It's not going to be the Eagles' decision. Sudfeld. I think the Eagles will ultimately keep him, but we'll see. McCown, Jimmy. I mean, you could retire. Well, might they, well, might <laughs> they add him to the coaching staff? I mean, that doesn't seem out of the question to no. me. Big B, I think, is the perfect example of a player like the perfect like for as much as uh, i rip howie i think one of the the best things like one of his best picks in terms of like just like philosophy would be big v like that's exactly what you want in the fifth round um a guy who can come in and start and then he's obviously like then you you can move on from him yes like, you can let him walk in free agency and then he gets you a comp pick like that's that's great like that's a very ideal use of a draft pick uh, a day three draft pick, especially that's like that's a big win. I don't know if they're getting comp picks this year, by the way, because I think really? they're going to be active in the in the free agent market. Mm. They have to because they have so many holes. They're not they're not just they're not just going to sit this free agency out. Wow, and they have cap space. I mean, a lot of that's going to be ruined if uh, whatever they have to do with Alshon Jeffrey, they got to get him out. In my opinion, I've been pretty I've been pretty clear on uh, on my thinking on that one. They have to get him out of the building one way or the other. Whether that's cutting him, they just can't get anything done. Or if they so, what are the cap differences? It's a difference of about like nine million or ten million. Oh, okay, total. yeah. So twenty five or twenty six or something like that. If they mm-hmm. cut them, so I think you trade them to a team that can that knows they aren't competing, but they have a lot of cap space and they can absorb that. And, the Dolphins, um, and you trade a pick with him, like the, yeah. like the Rams did with uh, Akeem Talib. And we t- we we talked about this already. I think like what what is the highest yep. pick? That you would do compensatory for like end of end of the fourth round for okay like very late that fourth. sounds about that right basically that's like Sharif Miller that's what literally what Sharif Miller was he was the last pick of the yeah, fourth round yeah that sounds right to me I would do that I would do that for sure to, just to get but, off the team and, but it and sucks save, and save ten million in, in cap space oh for sure yeah, yeah. like you have to do that yeah ter- yeah terrible yeah you, but you got to cut your losses when you know. You got to yes. get a guy out. Well, especially when you have literally the reporter that he was allegedly leaking to 
you know, Hosina like questioning Carson Wentz in the middle of a game. Like, how do you feel if you're Carson Wentz and like right. you're, that's obviously getting back to you? I feel like in some shape or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, even if it's not, it's getting. It's some of the players. Some some player in that locker room is seeing that, and it's like it's a weird message that like okay, you know, this this player who was criticized or, or uh, accused of, of criticizing Wentz is just like her he, the the player's reporter that he leaked it to is just like out here criticizing Wentz like how is that gonna like how is that tenable like yeah. <laughs> it's just it's very bizarre and some of the other guys that are uh you know the, the more in, of the more interesting decisions are what they do at corner because they have Mills Darby and LeBlanc and then Ron and Cloud too if you want to throw safety in there oh I don't think LeBlanc's, Jack, LeBlanc's not a free agent he's not no because remember they signed him to an extension before oh, the season that's right when he got hurt. Yeah, Strap is not for you to. Yeah, McLeod is, and that's. I think the the secondary as a whole is pretty interesting because, yes. like you said, okay, so let's assume. Let's Basically, look all at the four start. of your starters are. Yeah, free that's agents. that's how I'm going to frame it. Because Malcolm Jenkins is essentially a free agent that you have under control. I mean, you just said it. He's not going, and he's not like there's bluffing. action required <laughs> there, one way or the other. He he honored his deal this year. You know what I mean? Like he he played a good sport this year. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do it again. Like right. that that was a one year thing. He did it, but it, and it's a tough situation. I think the Jenkins thing is really tough because he's played so many snaps, and that's a testament to his durability. But at the same time, it's also wear and tear on his body. Yes, and he's thirty two now, and he's played what I think eleven NFL seasons. But what do you do without him? Like this is this is how he has admittedly like he's admitted to saying like safety is a really hard position to get right, mm-hmm. especially in the draft. So what are they going to do? Just like let him walk and, oh, we'll just draft. We can easily find one. No, you can't because yeah. you literally said in the past that you can't do that. Yeah. So like that's that's a tough one, I think, with, with both him and Rod. I don't think you can let both Rodney and Malcolm go. I think they bring Rodney back. Well, especially if Schwartz is back. He low-key loves McLeod. We always hear about yeah. how he loves Jalen Mills. And he does. Uh, Nigel Bradham, and he does. I think Rodney McLeod is right there with him. Yep. And, you know, Jenkins um, – you know, you mentioned the bad part of uh, the wear and tear, but on the flip side, with all, I mean, when you look at all the injuries that they've had the last three years, and this guy hasn't missed a snap for, for you know all the injuries they have, he's been really the one totally dependable constant in that defense. He's such a big leader, and I don't think that's uh, something to be taken lightly uh, with him in the locker room. I think that's really important with specifically the way he kind of We've talked about it here. He, like, he's not afraid to rub guys the wrong way, like in a good yes, way, I think. Right, you know, like, right. like push people's people. buttons. Yeah, yeah, challenge people, basically, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, so so like that's not a small loss, like if they lost him in the locker room. I don't think that's like one that other players are like, well, you know, tough business decisions have to be made. Like, I think that's felt. Uh, I, I think that hurts even more, not even more so than as a player, but in addition to, like that's, that's not insignificant. I guess if I'm looking at a player who maybe – you're, you're hoping that Malcolm Jenkins can kind of aids like if you re-sign him would be like a Charles Woodson who played until he was 39. And, you know, that's probably more of the exception than the rule. Right, right. But I guess I guess that's sure. what you're kind of looking at if uh, you're you're hoping to re-sign him. Yeah, it also depends on what he, what is he looking for. You know, five-year deal that's going to keep him in Philadelphia definitely for like three of those years? No, mm-hmm. you're not going to do that. But if you're giving him a little bump maybe – and you're guaranteeing in 2020 and then really hard to get rid of in 2021, yeah, I'd probably do that. Yeah. I, and I think Malcolm seems like like some players, like JP, for instance, love love Jason Peters. hope he never hears this because he, he could literally just rip me in half. <laughs> but I think he's not very realistic about his like self-assessment of how he's playing right now. Yeah. 
Whereas I think Malcolm is a little bit more like in touch with, he knows that like, you know, he's getting older and, he, yes. and he, obviously he values himself very highly. He's very confident. He's not undervaluing himself, but I think you could at least like, you could have a more realistic conversation with him is what I'm trying to say. We'll get to all that, you know, in the, in the coming weeks, sort of like who's going to stay and who's going to go and whatnot. But as far as the five biggest needs this upcoming off season, what do you got? So my biggest one and I don't even think there's a, a debate. I think if you have any answer other than this, you're wrong, and I hate you. <laughs> okay. It is wide receiver. Yeah. It is. It's just. It just is. Like I, I do not want to have to watch another season where we're just saying, "Oh my God!" Like Carson Wentz has nothing to work with. Like that would be a massive failure. Like how we yeah. should be fired, honestly, at that point. Like if he botches wide receiver again, like what are we doing here? Like it's because at that point it would be like three out of his four years. Because if you're including his rookie year. Or whatever that, or three out of five, however you want to put it, or four out of five, whatever that, like it's just been a, a disaster at the position. So they need to fix this. It, it has to be done. Yeah, um, I agree. I see. I do see the argument for corner being number one, but I'm with you. I think it's. I have. I have wide receiver significantly ahead. Well, here's why it's not, though, to me, because, like, the, you, you need to help Carson Wentz. Like, getting him a cornerback isn't helping him. Like, right. Give, it, give him everything he needs to succeed. He is ultimately going to maximize that receiver more than, like, you're, you could possibly probably get out of that cornerback. And obviously, it depends in terms of, like, who they can get and stuff in the offseason. Like, there's obviously – but I'm saying in general, in, as just, like, a concept without looking at the specifics, like, I think just it's – it's more valuable because I think if this offense can hum and fire on all cylinders, they can make up for a bad defense. That's the way I look at it. Let's look at the Eagles schedule real quick from this year. How many games did they lose because of bad receiver play? I would say Falcons, two from the jump. Yeah, Falcons, Lions, Lions. Patriots. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, and then how well, many? Go ahead. You could say the Seahawks game. Yeah. Okay. The wide receivers at twenty nine yards. Sure. And then how many did they lose because of corners? Uh, Vikings. Vikings for sure. Cowboys first time. Dolphins. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. Four to three. I so win. I do think there's a – well, you, know, I'm, you don't win because I'm saying receiver is bigger than too. I'm just saying – No, I mean not against you, just the, the yeah. argument in general. <laughs> right. Well, I can see the argument for quarter, but again, I do have receivers significantly ahead and you know, it doesn't really need that much explanation really. I mean, we, all, we all saw what it was this year, you know? Mm-hmm. So number two, do you also – do you have a corner? Yeah, it's cornerback. Yeah. It's – Especially because, you know, Mills free agent, Darby free agent, um, Maddox and Strap are more slot guys, really. And and what are Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas, who didn't even play a defensive snap in the playoff game? Like, what are they? That's what they are. They're, they're two guys that didn't play any snaps in the playoff game. And really that's got what they are. this year. <laughs> that's, like, that's how the team views them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they had a chance this year to be starters yes. early on. Like, if, if they were playing lights out, they wouldn't have replaced, they wouldn't have been replaced with Darby and Mills. Like, they would have kept, they would have stayed in the lineup, but they yes. weren't. They played terrible. And they had two slot corners playing ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Number yep. th- number I mean, three. Craig James was ahead of Sidney Jones at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure he was. Sidney Jones is inactive for like three or four games. Three three games as a healthy track. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's not good. And Rizul just is what he is. I agree. I think he's a good backup corner. The problem with Rizul, too, is there is really no versatility there. I think some people think that he can become a safety, and I don't see that at all. He's definitely mm-hmm. He definitely can't play slot corner. He's just an no. outside corner only, and even at that position, he's shaky because he's susceptible to the deep ball. I think he's like the big V of corners. I think he'd be okay in <laughs> – yes. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way to put it. I think he'd be I – mean, in, in this scheme, I, don't think he's, I think he's better in like 
you know, like a cover three scheme. What do you have at number three? I, I already have, know because I looked at your article. I have Don't tell me anything. <laughs> okay. What do you got? I have safety just because of like the whole Jenkins situation and uh, McLeod's a free agent. And there's no, there's no, like the Eagles don't have any leverage with those guys. That's part of the problem here. And another criticism against Howie is like, there's no backup plan. Like, what's your backup plan? Yeah, Marcus Epps is their third safety. <laughs> they haven't drafted and developed anyone. And yeah. that's been a huge miss. And, and that's part of why only having 10 picks over the, the past two years is killer. Like, they didn't have these assets to, to develop players. Like, and it's, and again, another reason potentially why the the JJ Arthega Whiteside pick was so frustrating. I was frustrating. just about to look at that. I was just I just typed 2019 NFL draft because we always look at like uh, you know they took so and so instead of JJ Arthega Whiteside, but we we apply that to wide receivers. But there were like a slew of corner or not corner safeties that were taken right after that too. Like Nasir Adderley went to the Chargers, Taylor mm-hmm. Rapp went to the Rams, Juan Thornhill went to the Chiefs. Like there were a lot of yep. safeties right after that pick that they also could have taken. Thornhill had a very good year with the Chiefs, yes. if I'm not mistaken. I think he did, yeah. Even if they didn't draft Jay, or didn't make it a pick there, but traded back, they could have picked up like what, like a fourth or so. Well, I think they tried and, to trade back actually when when they right. were on the clock because um, Hardman, the Chiefs traded up ahead of the Eagles and took Nicole Hardman, who wound up making a Pro Bowl actually, and then mm-hmm. uh, they, they tried to get out of that spot but couldn't. They, they there just wasn't anything worth taking, and they wound up just taking. JJ. But if they could, like maybe you get a four and maybe you get like Chauncey Gardner Johnson at sure. that point. You know, they're like you could get an extra pick to actually take a safety. Or maybe, hey, how about this? Instead of taking a quarterback who probably won't ever play for you at all in the best case scenario, like why don't you draft a developmental safety instead of a quarterback yeah. who, again, is probably not going to be useful at all at any point. So a lot of mismanagement leading to that that safety weakness, in my opinion, and that's why I have it number three. Okay. I had that um, uh, at four. I had that. At, or no, you have it at I had five. Five. I had defensive tackle. Let me let me talk about defensive tackle. Why I had that? Yeah. Three. So you know, heading into the season, it looked like they were going to be just loaded at defensive tackle with you know Fletcher Cox, obviously being what he is, and then they you know they, they gave pretty good money to Malik Jackson before free agency even began because he got cut, um, and then you know the, what was it the day of the draft they signed. Timmy Jernigan to a one-year deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit of upside there, bring him back on a one-year deal, and then they trade for Hassan Ridgeway during the draft. They trade a seventh-round pick for him. So, and then they still have Trayvon Hister, who they wound up cutting, and Bruce uh, Hector, and final, final cutdowns, and they have Bruce Hector, who was you know who got some snap the previous year as well. So they looked re- well. He came back. I guess he got poached when they waived him. Not poached, but they they cut him. And who picked him up? Do you remember? They- well, when last year? I mean, that doesn't really matter. Nobody cares. No, because they they <laughs> traded him for Rudy Ford in back in the summer. Oh, was it okay? All right, Rudy Ford, and they right. got him back. Rudy Ford, by the way, I, that's a name that I've thought of in a while. He was horrible this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that was a position that looked you know loaded. They lose Jackson right away, week one. Jernigan didn't show up until the end of the year. Uh, Ridgeway actually looked okay. I thought like he yeah. played well in the snaps that he got. I think he was a legitimate rotational guy, but he's not like a guy that you want starting for you. And when you yeah. have when you when you have a scheme that kind of requires that you got to be able to get to the quarterback with just your front four, you kind of have to have two good defensive tackles. And you know, looking forward, Malik Jackson had a disappointing year in 2018, and that's why he got cut. And the Eagles signed him, and he missed the whole season. So can you count on him? No. Can you count on Timmy Jernigan? No. 
Is Hassan Ridgeway an ideal starter? No. So I kind of have defensive tackle high. And also they got to get younger there too. So they're kind of old across the board there. And then Cox just has to be better than he was this year. Like he has to be better. This is, this is his lowest sack total since 2013. The one thing that, uh, that you can also take away from the Seahawks game, though, is that he was awesome. I agree. That was made, Do you think that was probably his best game of the year? Yeah, and, and I agree that that's like a, a thing to be optimistic about next year. He's still only 29. Um, he'll be having a full healthy offseason. So I think it'll happen, but I'm just saying like that needs to happen. Like, yes. He needs to be much better than he was this year. For sure. So I actually have to have defensive tackle at number five just because I feel like they're counting on Jackson. Like he, I think they're, they, they're going to bank on him coming back um, right or wrong. I have center at number four. Specific, I mean, I know you put it as interior offensive line, yeah. but I'm, uh, I guess, you know, Jason Kelsey, you know, gave weight to retiring last year. And I'm guessing he's not going to this year. I don't think so but, either. But I mean, like, if he did, they'd be screwed. <laughs> like, like, that's a, that's a big loss. Um, you know, you're talking about a three time all pro here. And I, I just think they, they, like, like they haven't prepared for, Safety, like they kind of haven't really prepared for Kelsey to move on, and that's something they need to get on. Really, in my like, I, I think you could make the case. I think I've said this before that like Kelsey, outside of Carson Wentz, or maybe even more than Carson Wentz, when you had Nick Foles, um, like is their most indispensable player. Okay, and think about when they haven't had him. Like you look back at the Saints game last year, they got blown out forty to seven. You look back at the two thousand twelve season, it was easily their worst season in years like whenever they've not had him they've been pretty awful it depends on you know what you think of isaac samuel first of all you're never going to replace jason kelsey and what, what he brings you like he's the most maybe the most athletic center ever mm-hmm. Wh- whatever their plan is whether they bring in a center to replace kelsey directly or if the plan is for samuel to kind of be the center of the future and move over from left guard to, to center they need to address one of those two spots in my opinion you, you either need to find a starting left guard or a starting center to fill right in for him. Yeah, and Samalo's snaps did not look good last time I saw him snap the ball. So I'm not going to just assume like, for sure that he can be there. Sure. All right, uh, so let's take another break here, and then we'll come back, and we will look at the NFC East coaching hires. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio for the final segment of episode 101 with Brendan Lee Gowton, myself, and Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, some new head coaches in the NFC East, Doug Peterson's division. Three new ones. Ron Rivera in Washington, which we already talked about on episode 100 last week. The Cowboys have a new head coach. It is Mike McCarthy. And then the Giants have a new head coach that I've never really heard about until recently. His name is Joe Judge. Born in Philly. Traitor. I hate him. So what do you make of the McCarthy hire, Jimmy? Start there. Uh, All right. So I guess the logic behind McCarthy or, you know, the other guys that they were looking at is that he has experience and they want experience because they think they have a division, uh, a, uh, excuse me, a roster that they feel is a Super Bowl contender. And whether you agree with that or not, whatever. But I think they didn't want to have to get a, ho- a head coach up to speed on what it takes to be a head coach in the NFL. I think they wanted somebody who has already been there and done that. So I think they're going to go the retread route no matter who they took. And McCarthy has a very good career record, 125, 77, and 2. So winning percentage of 618, which is very good. 13 seasons in Green Bay, 8 of those, he had at least 10 wins. 9 playoff appearances. Super Bowl win. Uh, Otherwise, you know, sort of a lot of disappointing 
losses in the playoffs. But the one playoff, oh, excuse me, the one Super Bowl win for his 13 years in Green Bay, in which you know Brett Favre was was the starter that his first two seasons there, and then he had Aaron Rodgers starting for uh, the final 11. You'd think that uh, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> would win you know, more than one Super Bowl in his 11 seasons, but that hasn't happened. One Super Bowl win? Is that enough? Like, is that is that underachieving, or do you give him credit for that one Super Bowl win? What do you think on that? My read on the outside looking in is Packers fans, for whatever it's worth, are pretty tired of him uh, yeah. by the end. Okay. I think I think it, they're, the take, and again, from my view from afar, was that he was holding the team back really more than he was giving them an edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, you had Aaron Rodgers. You had, like, literally the best player in the NFL, like, the best player on the planet, as you like to say. At times during or, his tenure, for sure, yes. Maybe yeah, not now, time, maybe not right now, but right. at times during not his now. tenure, yes. Yeah, for a good stretch of his tenure. Yes. And to only win one Super Bowl, and that was the only one they made, too? Yes, that's correct. So, like, yeah, I think they, he totally underachieved. Now, maybe, maybe he takes this year off, uh, he comes back, he kind of reinvents himself. There's talk of him being more analytics friendly, whatever. I'll kind of believe that when Did I see it. Did you know it. that he visited Pro Football Focus's headquarters, Brandon? I didn't know that, but now I do. <laughs> also, though, I, some people on that have been like, this is like Andy Reid. No, 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 no. no. no it's no, not no. like Andy no. Reid. Because first of all, Andy Reid was way more successful. And secondly, like the second Andy Reid was hired, it did not take long for him. For like the Cardinals, the Chiefs, they wanted him like right away. Yes. Like, he was a hot commodity. Yes. No one wanted Mike McCarthy <laughs> when he got fired. By the way, he got fired in season too. Like they were frustrated with him. He was fired at the end of his tenure, like during the season. Like Andy Reid got fired after the season. Like there was a lot of respect for Andy. Uh, so very different situations there. I, like Mike McCarthy cannot hold a candle to Andy Reid. Did you read the uh, Bleacher Report piece by Tyler Dunn back in the day on Mike um, McCarthy? Probably. And really, really just sort of the, uh, the, 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 his final season there and how everything fell apart. I won't give it away. I, just the listeners, just Google Tyler Dunn, Mike McCarthy, Bleacher Report, whatever. It's totally worth your time to, to, to read that article. So I think things got stale basically, right? Yes. And I, I think I don't think this is a terrible hire for the Cowboys because I don't think like he's going to flame out. You know, like the Cowboys aren't going to like go four and twelve all of a sudden. Like I don't think he's going to be a disaster hire, right? Where it maybe it could have been the hired like a college coach and it was kind of more you know. uh, But I also think it it limits the ceiling, so I think it's kind of more of a safer hire. I almost think it's a, a typical Jerry Jones hire in the sense of like it's more flash than substance because you look at the flash of like. Nine playoff seasons in 13 years and the Super Bowl. But, like, the substance actually isn't as good as it appears <laughs> because I think, you know, you have to look at the underachieving and really what could have been done more there. And then a defensive coordinator, they hire Mike Nolan. Who is... <laughs> what was this again? <laughs> What's the stat that? you said? The stat you had oh, on this? So he, well, okay, so he's been in the league a long time. So maybe, maybe you know, maybe, it's maybe not as bad as it, as it seems. But he had, as far as bottom 10 finishes go, uh, in yards and points, I think he had nine bottom ten finishes in yards allowed as a defensive coordinator or head coach, and eight uh, bottom ten finishes in points allowed. Of course, he's been in the league for more than three decades. <laughs> like he's been in the league for as a coach for like uh, like thirty one or thirty two years, I think. Uh, a lot of those were as you know a, an assistant, whether it was a linebackers coach or wide receiver coach, special teams coordinator. But he had he, he's also been a head coach of the uh, 49ers. He's been a defensive coordinator for a couple different teams, but he's been in the league a long time. So they kind of went the same 
quote-unquote experienced route at that spot, along with McCarthy. And uh, it looks like they're trying to bring back, um, you know, Golden Boy, offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore. Did you see the uh, rumor that the Eagles are interested in him, by the way? Yeah, Albert Breer said he wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys didn't retain him that if the Eagles wanted him. Yeah. Hmm. That's fine. What do you think happens to Mike Better, He's better than Mike Grimm. He's better than Mike Grimm, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty close to 50-50. But if I had to pick one, I'd say he's gone. Same. So the Giants hire Joe Judge Brown, um, I believe his name is. <laughs> and I don't even know really what to think of this because of the hire like of Joe Judge himself. Because how, how could anyone is really? It, it is Judge Joe Brown, isn't it? Oh, it's show. Judge Joe Brown. Yeah. I said Joe Judge. Yeah, Brown. no, I understand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right, yeah. It is Judge Joe Brown, yeah. Um, Why are there so many Judge shows, by the way? Who's watching these? There's a lot of them. I have a... Uh, I should find it. I have this really good clip of, like, a daytime TV. Uh, so, apparently, it's me. Uh, <laughs> I don't watch this regularly, but for whatever reason, like, I turned it on my TV one day at home. It was, like, back during the summer. I remember, like, writing, like, a training camp preview article. I guess I was, like... Uh, I was probably like trying to watch. Uh, I guess I was like looking for the Women's World Cup or something, uh-huh. and like daytime TV was on. I, I have to, I have to pull up this clip. I, I can't. It's crazy how many judge shows there are. You got Judge Judy. You got Judge Joe Brown. Jerry Springer is on like a judge show now. Like he's a judge <laughs> on a judge show. Have you ever seen that? Okay, I I think I know that exists. The Jerry Springer Judge Show. It's ju- it's Judge Jerry is what it's called. Judge Jerry. <laughs> So what do you think of Joe Judge while I'm doing this? Okay, so Joe Judge, um, uh, well, he's special teams coordinator for the uh, New England Patriots. Obviously, we all know that the New England Patriots coaching tree has stunk over the years. Um, very bad record overall. I think Gil Brandt just tweeted the records of all the um, all the uh, former Belichick assistants. In, I think he limited it to the, the ones that were in New England, but there are others that coached under him in, in Cleveland, and only one had a had an uh, an overall career winning record, and that was Al Groh, who had one season with the Jets and was nine and seven. <laughs> so like that has not been uh, a very productive coaching tree, whereas the Andy Reid coaching tree has been outstanding. But here's Joe Judge's um, special teams DVOA. Uh, he's been the special teams coordinator there for five years. 2015, he was fifth. 2016, he was eighth. 2017, he was third. All very good. 2018, 16th. 2019, 11th. So whatever interview that he had with the Giants, he must have really wowed them because those numbers are, well, well they're good. They're not like... To not get hired, Yeah, to get hired from a special teams coordinator to a head coach... You think that like those numbers would be like special, you know what I mean? Like you think they'd be like like uh, oh man, the guy, the, the Chiefs, Dave Taub. Yeah, yes. Like his special teams DVOA numbers are crazy good, year after year. And then of course you have Harbaugh as sort of the uh, the gold standard of the uh, special teams coordinator, uh, you know, who made the leap to head coach. So I don't I don't necessarily um, think it's a bad hire. It's a bold hire. I don't know enough about him to be able to criticize this or praise him. I just don't know. I just don't know enough. But um, the one thing that I will say is that it's weird that they made such a bold hire. The guy's 38 years old. So they hire this young guy, sort of out of the box thinking, going special teams, the head coach. And yet at the same time, they 
they they keep Dave Gettleman, the uh, mm-hmm. get off my lawn, you computer nerd, general manager. Like those things kind of <laughs> seem like they're very opposite. You know what I mean? I don't get it. Like, and, I don't get the overall plan. Well, I think you have to look at the context of this hiring. And I think I don't buy that. Like Joe Judge was their number one guy. They wanted Matt Rule. I, they absolutely wanted Matt Rule. Uh, and Matt Rule obviously didn't go to the Giants. He didn't even interview with them. Yeah. He, he took the Panthers offer. I think it's not a coincidence that the Giants hired Joe Judge right after right. Uh, Panthers hired Matt Rule. I think that's who they wanted. And I think that's what it would have been their best move. And I, I legitimately would have been uh, fearful that like Matt Rule could turn the Giants around. I know there was a report that said, I guess the Giants had a chance to match yeah. whatever he was, whatever rule was offered. That did seem like some water carrying there. Do you Are you ready for this clip? Go ahead. This is an industrial strength tape, and then it holds. A ball will not go through that. The tape did not fail. Well, how did the ball get through? The ball didn't get on the other side of the net by magic. This court has consulted a urologist, Dr. Michael Witt. If there's been damage to the blood flow here so that none of the tissue is alive. We always plan on having at least three kids. For the last six months or so, we've been we've been trying, and it's, it's, it's not happening. It could be her mouth. That's totally inappropriate. <laughs> so you can't see it but the context here is that like there was this incident at some like softball throwing or you know some like baseball thing yeah it, like our like cages or whatever but, but like netting and like you know so you could throw the ball uh I, you could tell i really played baseball here um so like the ball went through a net basically yeah. and you know the people are claiming the net was not like up to up to code or whatever <laughs> and it went through yeah. and it hit this guy in the crotch so now <laughs> so now they actually have a a, a a urologist in there with like this huge poster size like picture of like testicles and they're like breaking it all down it's 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 just it's amazing like we're missing a lot i guess by not watching daytime television which what show was that was that judge joe brown it is i don't know okay. i don't even know what it is it's on the cw that's all i know but it just caught your attention when you're uh, looking for the women's world yeah Cup. i was like this is hilarious yeah like, the way they cut it up too like uh oh it, it's it's not uh it's not the, that the guy got hit in the crotch why they can't have kids it's like it's her mouth or something. it's the way they edit it together is, is really good i did hear that yeah it's so dramatic like it's it's amazing um anyway we're, we're really off here uh all right so how, how would you rank the uh nfc east hirings oh okay i would say rivera one yes agreed i would actually put judge at number two agreed put McCarthy <laughs> at number three agreed although i think the giants are losers overall i think they're number three overall Based yes. on keeping Gettleman. Yeah, I agree. If we're but if we're just counting coaches, yeah. All right, NFL uh, picks. Yeah, let's let's run through these quick. Yes. I think Mike's going to be mad <laughs> or sorry. Whoever edits the show is going to no. Uh, but we will do. We'll we'll run through this quickly. We'll we'll Vikings at it. Niners. Niners minus seven. Oh, uh, I'm going to take the Vikings because uh, Kirk Cousins is a big game quarterback. Seven? I'll take them plus seven. But I'll take the Niners to win. Okay, I'm taking the Niners to win. And I'm also taking them to cover. I think it's difficult mm. going to New Orleans. I don't know. I don't know where they played Week 17. Do you know if they were on the road or not? Oh, they know. rested their starters. It was at oh, home, okay, I think, that's though, true. Yeah. against the Bears. Still, it's hard going to New Orleans. Then you go, you go home. Then you go out to San Francisco on a short week. Kind of, that's kind of unfair what the NFL did there. The Eagles were potentially going to get screwed by that if they had to go to San Francisco. Like if the if the Saints had won and the Eagles had won. They would have had to go on to mm-hmm. San Francisco cross country on a short week, on a Saturday, on a team with against a team that had a full like you know that that had a bye. 
That's not that's not cool. <laughs> and the Eagles had the latest possible game in the wild card round too. Yes. So the Vikings are getting screwed here a little bit. I think. I think. The, I think the Niners win and cover and win comfortably. Titans at Ravens. Ravens are nine and a half point home favorites. Who you got? Ravens to win, but that's a lot of points. Hmm. Titans will be able to keep that close. They're a running team. Ravens yeah. are a running team. That clock's going to be running. Ten's going to be tough to cover for them. I think. I like Rabel, man. I said it like last week. I, I think I kind of think he's he's good. I did not agree with all the uh, false start delay game stuff. I thought that was mm-hmm. a bad strategy, and he was kind of praised by you know, oh, Bel- Belichick, Belichick. I thought in that situation, you shouldn't be killing clock there. I mean, the, the Patriots had a chance to. I mean, they were going to get the ball back. They had a chance to get in the field goal range, bleed out the rest of that clock, kick a field goal, and win. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with all with what with what. And it was a situation where it was like fourth and four or fourth and five at the Patriots like thirty something yard line. I'd just gone for it. Whatever worked out, they won. They knocked out the Patriots. Everyone loves the Titans for that. They move on around two, but it's going to end there in, in Baltimore. So what, I'm sorry. What you have? Did you you're, you're taking the points there? Uh, Ravens win. Titans cover. Texans at Chiefs minus nine point five. I was so frustrated that the Texans <laughs> came back to win that game. <laughs> me too. Because I, I had the Bills, yeah, and I thought it was, you know, they're up 16-0, and they really should have found a way to hold on. And then this freaking third and eight or whatever it was, or third and 13, whatever that penalty was, uh, where like, the ball is snapped at, like, negative one on the play clock. Like, clearly delayed yes. the game. It's not even one of those where it snapped right at zero. No, it was snapped at, like, negative one. Like, it, there should, how was there not a penalty there? It was insane. And then the blindside then, block. Yeah, and, and then Deshaun Watson is awesome. But also, like, if he only gets hit by one of those guys, he goes down. Like, it, it's crazy how he got hit by two guys and actually helped oh, him. Oh, yeah, right. Like, play of the year, in my opinion. It, it, awesome play. And and Deshaun Watson, is that's what he can kind of do. And and he, like, that's why I kind of didn't love betting against the Texans is because of him. Like, I, I wasn't betting against him. I was betting against Bill O'Brien, which I felt really good about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the thing you have to – the cognitive dissonance you have to kind of parse through there. You love uh, that when you, But, yeah, this is – I mean, Andy Reid is always great coming off a bye. The Chiefs have won, I think, six in a row going into playoffs. They're hot. I like Mahomes. I still think the Texans are fraud. Frauds, even though they won, they're still, like, bad and point differential and DBA and all that. So give me the Chiefs to cover and win. Agreed. I have nothing more to add. The, the only thing I'll say is – uh. So I said that might be the play of the year. What's the bigger play of the year, that or the uh, Lamar Jackson spin move? Lamar. Yeah, okay. Because that'll be remembered. That's what this year will be remembered as, too. 2019 is the year of Lamar. If they win. I guess guess he's going to win MVP. Yeah. All right, fine. Seahawks at Packers minus four. I don't like either of these teams. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like. I. I'm gonna take the points here. The Seahawks always keep it close anyway, but they're not good. But but Russell Wilson is good, and I. I just don't buy the. Rodgers looks so bad. I was talking about last week to you, but Rodgers looks so so bad. Yeah. In that Lions game, and they had to win. Like they had to win that game to have a chance at a first round bye. Like, and he looked awful. Yeah. Uh, and he he really hasn't had a great year as a whole, at least by Aaron Rodgers standards. So I don't know, and I I like. I'm going to go with Russ here. I'm going to take the points, and I'll take him outright. Who's beeping out there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going Packers minus four. Because, again, the Seahawks are, are good at doing this. Like, travel doesn't seem to bother them. And Yeah, they're seven and they're, – no, they're eight and one now on the road this year. But they just went to Philly. They fly all the way back to Seattle. I'm going to fly to Green Bay. Green Bay's had a bye. I agree with you that Rodgers is not um, – 
you know, he's not been up to his normal self. But um, I think that buy helps him a lot. I don't like either of these rosters. I don't like either of these teams at all, really. Yeah. Seahawks have a better quarterback at the time right now. But um, I, I, I'm kind of starting to talk myself out of it in my head mm-hmm. here. <laughs> but I do like the Packers a little bit better than the Seahawks. I like, the, I like Aaron Jones a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm going Packers. I'm sticking with it. And I like their pass rush. I think those two guys on the outside, the Smiths, yeah, very good players. The Smith brothers, Smith brothers, they're they're the I went over, they're the difference in this game. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, they're the difference in this game. I went over four last week straight up, so really good stuff by me. And then <laughs> I went one, two, and one against the spread, so at least not a total disaster there. The, okay. Again, the Bills game, ah, killing me. Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? So you at close least it have, out. you at least have the Bills at three. So there you go. Yeah, uh, I have no final thoughts. You. Really. I uh, just want to thank everyone for supporting BGN Radio here. You know, it was our, our first season together. Jimmy and I really support the, or really, I really support, I really appreciate the support uh, that you've shown the show all year long. And Bleeding Green Nation, I'm sure Jimmy feels the same way. I do. About everyone who reads Philly Voice and everything. So, but obviously we're not going away. Lots and lots of off-season coverage. Or, I mean, really, we're not even taking We'll a still break. do one every week. For, or more. I'm going to commit to... Yeah, or more, whatever emergency. Yeah, there, there will be emergency pods for sure. I'm, I'm ready to do them through like even the dead months. Uh, maybe you're not, but uh, yeah, but course. I will still be here. Yeah, I will still be here because you know there's always something to talk about, or we can come up with some some stuff. The dumpster fire. I can't wait for the dumpster fire podcast yes. in the off season. Those are those are gonna be awesome. So anyway, point is a lot of good stuff. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Leave some reviews so we can read them on the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. And until next time. This has been BGN Radio. I've been Brandon Lee Gowton. That has been Jimmy Kemsky. We will talk to you later. Bye, everybody. BGN.